It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of our social media outlets. We are now the official uh, Miami Dolphins channel, channel here for the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. Be sure to check out those sites as well. So we are nine days before the start of free agency here, or at least the free agency tampering period. And... 56 days, Paul, or who's counting before the start of the NFL draft. So uh, news is going to keep flying in fast and furious here starting next week. Um, we've already got some news to talk about uh, and and a lot to look forward to as well. Paul, the big piece of Dolphins news from this week was obviously Kyle Van Noy getting the axe. You know, we, we talked about some players that might get cut. I don't even think we brought up Kyle Van Noy because we didn't see it see it happening. We didn't, but at the same time, I think you and I both had the same reaction where it made a lot more sense once you took a real deep look at it. I mean, I, I know you and I talked offline, and, and you compare Kyle Van Noy's statistics in his 800 and, I don't know, 50-ish snaps to Andrew Van Ginkle in his 422 snaps. The stat lines were very similar, and even if he doesn't fully hit the stats that he did in those 422 snaps, Van Ginkle would dwarf Kyle Van Noy's statistical line. And yes, I know Van Noy was a leader, and I see a lot of folks put out there like, oh, you can't get rid of him, his leadership ability, blah, 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 what he doesn't do in the stat box. And I'm going to get on a little soapbox here for a second because that pisses me off because a lot of those same people... I see putting out there, you got to get rid of Bobby McCain. And it's like, Bobby McCain and Jerome Baker were the leaders of this defense. And, you know, there's a lot that they both do that doesn't pack a stat sheet, even though Baker packed a stat sheet a lot more than people give him credit for. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put your finger on a lot of times who is a a bigger leader than the other guy. Uh, And, you know, and a lot of that goes on behind closed doors. And what I do know is... Van, I mean, I was first. I was I was not happy when they cut Van Noy for about the first ten minutes because I thought, great, well, we lost a good player, we created another hole. Um, but the Dolphins are saving nine point eight million dollars in cap room. So now you're talking about them having thirty six point six million dollars in cap to you know they're, they're going to need about twelve for the draft with all the picks they have. Um, They've got players like Jerome Baker, like Mike Kosicki, like Emmanuel Agba that they want to resign uh, here after the, the 2021 season. Uh, and they could be targeting a couple of players here in free agency. They really could. I'm, I'm excited. I, I mean, I want Miami to be frugal and surgical in free agency. I don't want to see them try to go on some type of spending spree, start cutting everybody over here to sign everybody over here. That's how you get yourself in cap uh, purgatory, we'll go with. Purgatory. Um, it's, I want Miami to be smart. I want them to fill a lot of needs through the draft. They've got the capital to do so. And that means Miami may not be at going out and signing the sexy player. Uh, they may not be going out and grabbing an Aaron Jones for $15 million a year. Uh, I, I still have a sneaking suspicion he may be a last-minute franchise tag if Green Bay really thinks he's that good and they can get him for half of what he's looking for in the open market right now uh, and, and continue to groom A.J. Dillon. But, uh, yeah. It, right now right yeah. now the Packers are uh, Packers are in the negative as far as uh, salary cap room, but Aaron Jones is only $8 million. So at the last minute they could, you know, make a couple of cuts, franchise tag Aaron Jones, and now they've got him back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, going back to Van Noy, you know, Basically, now that the Dolphins paid him, what, 14, 15 million a year or, or, or 14 or 15 million dollars for one year of service. So that's that is a lot. Um, but when I look when I thought about it in a little bit more detail, I, I felt the following things. Number one, um, he missed two games uh, last year. And in those two games, um, the Dolphins shut the Jets out 21 to nothing. And in the other game, they lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs put up 33 points. 
but seven of them were on a, on a punt return. So now we're down to 26 points and they, they really scored all their points within like a nine minute span. The rest of the game, the Dolphins defense played outstanding. So I think with Van, Van Noy out, you're losing a good player, but they might be able to get even a little bit faster on defense and they showed that they can win without them. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's no secret I want Miami to, to look at linebackers. Um, it is no secret that um, I'm a big fan of several guys in the draft. And and really, a combination of Van Ginkle and Beagle, if they can re-sign him, would be probably better than what we saw from KVN, even though it may not be that super high leadership level. Um, that statistical performance and that performance on the field outside of the box both we saw Andrew Van Ginkle can do some special things and Vince Beagle before he got hurt last year the year before after the trade he was one of the better underrated pass rushers in the NFL in the scheme the way they were utilizing him so I look for both of those guys to be in Miami this year and I look for both of those guys to contribute a lot more heavily than people are giving them credit for and Kat one thing before we get away from Kyle Van Noy Somebody in chat was asking about the Jamie Collins deal and the way he restructured to save money without losing money and whether or not we saw that as something we could do with KVN. Honestly, as good as KVN is, in my opinion, he was overpaid. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. And when you restructure, basically, you save more money this year and you kick more guaranteed money down the road. And I, I didn't want to do that with Van Noy. And I didn't want to do that with Eric Flowers, you know, because Eric Flowers played decent last year. Um, Kyle Van Noy played well last year, but I I don't want to commit to them in 2023 and 2024. Um, Byron Jones is the one that I feel a little bit more comfortable doing that because he might be able to kick inside eventually and be a safety. He's going to have some value, but when, I mean, I, I want Flowers gone sooner rather than later. Uh, if the Dolphins, because you imagine the Dolphins are going to draft at least one offensive lineman, you would think this year. Um, it, it, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of restructuring, especially in this situation. So looking at the Dolphins cap room now, they've got thirty six point six million. That is eighth most in the league now. Um, so you the, the teams ahead of them, you've got the Jaguars who have 80. I, I'm going to just round up to the nearest million here um uh, jaguars have about 85 million jets have about 82 patriots 72 uh washington 59 indianapolis 51 cincinnati uh, 48 carolina 38 and then you've got the dolphins eighth and on the bottom of that list paul you've got a quarter of the league who still have to spend all this week just getting to zero because they're they're in the negative right now yeah, I mean, we've joked about the Saints for years and the way that they've just funny money the cap, funny money the cap, kick the can down the road, and that should be a warning to everyone. I love what Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Reggie McKenzie and all those guys in that front office are doing right now in the fact that they're setting up for the future without mortgaging the future. Uh, that comes due, and it, it, it comes due in a big way. I, I can't remember exactly where the Saints are at right now as we speak, but I know it's just ugly. It, it's like they've, they've got – it feels like almost double the cap room. I think it's around $70 million in the hole. I mean, ugh. I'd be yeah, nauseous right now if we had to do this show and Miami was $70 million in the hole on the cap. That just there, – there's – you don't get out of that without just – destroying your team and starting over. You want to talk about a teardown? I, I can't see a way around it for them other than an absolute teardown, and it's disgusting. You, you know, uh, there was one transaction here today on Saturday, and the Saints re-signed Ty Montgomery uh, to, like, minimum salary. And I'm like, how? <laughs> it's just, no. And, and also, another thing, too. I don't. Do those checks ever bounce? I mean. I, I, <laughs> I don't understand. I mean. And also, too, I have another bone to pick with Drew Brees, an all-time great. Why do these guys after the season need to take, like, five months to decide if they want to come back the next year? I mean, look, I understand, hey, season ended. You got to take a – spend a couple of weeks out of town. 
but can you come back and make your decision? I mean, it, it's not because how much money the Saints have to chop depends very heavily on whether or not Drew Brees is going to come back next year. Make your decision. Yeah, and, and I got news for you. Even if Drew Brees does come back, watching him as the season wore on this year um, when he was actually able to be on the field, uh, he might need a little salary chop as well. Yeah, it, would, it was like watching my, my grandma try to throw laundry down the stairs. Dude, it was, it was like watching a nine-year-old throw the ball left-handed that's a righty. It was not. It, it wasn't it was pretty. Horrible. Drew Brees and Big Ben had like it, it's it's it was it was like watching a guy that had no bones in his arm try to throw a ball. And Big Ben's coming back next year, much to my surprise too. But anyway, get, getting a little bit off track here. The uh, looking at at the Dolphins' current free agents, we did have a, a show a while ago that we'll we'll revisit about um, which Dolphins unrestricted free agents. Um, will or will not be back. So we're just going to go quickly through this list here because uh, we were in agreement on six unrestricted free agents not being back. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we we both agreed. It just, it's not, it doesn't look like it's in the cards. I think he'll end up starting for somebody this year, at least at first, maybe Washington, maybe Chicago, maybe Denver, one of those teams. Um, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Breida at running back. Um. DeAndre Washington, running back. Um, Mac Collins, wide receiver. Isaiah Ford, wide receiver. Kayvon Frazier, safety. Out of those six there, you know, it. we have to make the assumption at this time with, with being a week out, if they're not resigned, more than likely they're not going to be back. But of those six players there, Paul, anybody that, that you would want to keep? I was, I was replying to something in chat. Can you bullet through those real quick again? Yeah, uh, Fitzpatrick, Breida, Washington, Hollins, Ford, Frazier. Maybe Frazier. Um, yeah, I was not, thinking the same. I'm not tied to it. I mean, it, it's – there are a lot of safeties I like in this draft, and he could become expendable, but he also can be one of those bottom of your, your 90 guys that maybe he beats somebody out. Maybe he can beat out Fedulum. Really, that, that's what I was thinking is that if you re-sign Kayvon Frazier for like minimum salary, maybe you can cut Fedulum and then not only do, in, my, in our opinion, do we have a better player on the roster, but you save a little bit of money. Not much, but a little bit. Uh, okay, so uh, let, let's let's go through the rest of this list here. Um, uh, Ted Karras is, is really, and it's nice to say he's probably the biggest free agent that the Dolphins have here at center. He, he's a fascinating one because – Maybe you can bring him back again for a year, one or two. I mean, I mean, a, a year or two, four or five million a year, and you at least know you have a decent center. And but there's also David Andrews out there, Corey Lindsley at the center spot. W- what are your thoughts on Ted Karras? You think the Dolphins should try to resign him before? Should they go for Corey Lindsley? Should they should they go the draft route? I think they should be making phone calls to Corey Lindsley as soon as that tampering period starts. And, you know, I'll say that with a big wink when I say as soon as the tampering period starts. Uh, I think Corey Lindsley is going to be very affordable and can take the line a little a little to the next level. I, I sat back, and I may have put this out there. I may not have. I have way too many thoughts this time of year around what we should or shouldn't do, as you well know. Uh, <laughs> it's you and I spend a lot of time talking offline. If Miami were to... And these be the only two moves on the offensive line to sign Corey Lindsley and draft Quinn Miners. I'm really happy with the long-term prospects of this offensive line uh, as we move forward here for the next few years. So, in that situation, would you Lindsley would start at center, obviously, and then would you have Miners competing for the guard spot, and then eventually kicking back over to center when Lindsley gets up there in years? I'd have my, Miners. In at right guard, Kinley in at left guard, Jackson and Hunt at the tackles. Um, you know, you want to ask me about four years from now um, whether or not I'd kick Miners to center. All depends on who Miami can grab in the draft, and it's nice to have that flexibility. Uh, it's and I would not cut Jesse Davis. I would have D- Jesse Davis be that jack of all backup offensive lineman that can come in and you don't skip a beat having him out on the field. Uh, it, it's, you know, but whether you move him to center or not in four years, let's see where the, let's see where the chips fall as it comes along. 
you know, and you mentioned Jesse Davis there. Uh, now that Van Noy is cut, Jesse Davis is the oldest player on the team, assuming Fitzpatrick's not back next year. He's 29. Uh, he'll be 30 in November. That's the oldest player, going to be the oldest player in the Dolphins roster. Not a coincidence. And when we look at this free agent list here, too, I think it's important to – I really don't even – I have a hard time even looking at anybody over 29 on this list, even on a one-year deal, because – I, I think if I think they would have just maybe kept Van Noy if, if age uh, and athleticism weren't an issue. So anyway, um, next player, Davin got Davin Gottschall. He's a player I see going. Um, I, I imagine him getting three, four million a year somewhere, getting a starting opportunity to play in a four, three defense. I don't see the Dolphins shelving out that money for what would be their fourth defensive tackle. Three million a year. I can see it. Um, especially coming off injury. I mean, you're not that far above the veteran minimum at that point. Um, and I do that because he, he did serve a role, but any more than, say, three and a half and I'm out. Uh, it, it's, I think that money can be better appropriated, appropriated elsewhere, and you can just continue to develop Benito Jones or, you know, Tyler Shelvin um, or you know, one of numerous other folks, even out on the uh, on the free agency market, if you want to look way down the list at a guy like Chris Wormley, um, you know, and, and and a few other guys there. It, right. I, you know, from a value standpoint, you know, three or four million a year, I think is, is uh, understandable if they brought him back. I don't think they will. And the veteran minimum, you know, it's it's still less than a million. So you still have still a gap there of about, you know, somewhere between two and $3 million. I don't see them bringing him back. Uh, good luck to Devin Gotcha elsewhere, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Matt Hawk, um, I'll throw it to you on that. I'd like him back. Um, but, you know, I'm not killing myself to do so. Despite the fact that he'll occasionally shank a punt, he's been most of the time, uh, amazing at pinning folks inside the five or ten yard line uh, from from a good majority of the field. So there's a little good, a little bad with him, and, and I don't think he's somebody that's going to break the bank in his position. I would take him back, um, but I wouldn't go more than a two three year deal. How many million would you shelve out per year? I uh, four four and a half oh. tops. Oh yeah, I, I I'd probably tap out at that point. Um, I, three is pro- might be my max on that, and, and here's why: because look, they, Jason Sanders they they extended very very much should have. Yeah. Um, uh, Jakeem Grant, I think we both want to keep unless you know you you really get somebody with punt returning skills in the draft. Um, if you're if you're not cutting Grant and saving four million dollars, you you've got Sanders at, at what four and a half million and then you re-sign hawk for three and a half four million too man you're spending that's that's 12 million dollars on your kicker punter and returner i i think somebody's got to go in that scenario and also too so so i'm really more on the the train of let matt hawk walk and then i look at that sixth round of the dolphins half you you go in the sixth round you could get one of the best punters in the in the in the draft uh you look at the last two times the dolphins have spent a draft pick on a kicker or punter Jason Sanders, Brandon Fields, two all pros. So they have the opportunity to do that this year. And instead of paying three and a half, four million a year, you're paying 500,000. Yeah, but don't forget, and this is where I wouldn't overlook that in that 12 million, the value that Flores and Greer put on special teams. So if they feel that Matt Hawk flips the field enough that they can deal with the occasional shank punt, which a lot of punters do have. He seems to a little more than most. Um, But again, the times that he's pinning teams deep, 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 deep in their own territory, that may have a value to Flores and thus Greer because Miami puts one heck of an emphasis on special teams. I mean, you look at some of the signings from last year, you look at some of the ways that they've drafted, they definitely put that emphasis there. Got, you know, signing or drafting Blake Ferguson in the fifth round, I think it was. Um, you know, going out and signing away a Clayton Fedulum and overpaying him, to be honest with you, to come in and just be a special teamer. Don't underrate their emphasis on special teams because it's it's pretty apparent that they view 
defense and special teams as you know special teams being the thing that that flips the field for you and the defense being the thing that gives your offense more opportunities yeah i i think you've got a point there um and that's kind of the i think that's what brian flores really did bring over from new england because new england you know they 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 drafted a a long snapper in the fifth round uh, a while ago the dolphins drafted blake ferguson uh in the sixth round last year so they they you know they the dolphins with like you said, uh, Fedulum and Mac Hollins and having them active on game day and Calvin Munson as well, active on every game day um, with the money they gave to Jason Sanders. Yeah. They, they definitely put a premium on, on there. He hasn't been resigned yet. So I, I, again, I tend to believe he won't be, but th- somebody they could, they could come to terms with here at the last minute. Otherwise I'd look to the draft. Uh, then we've got uh, several linebackers, Vince Beagle, Camus Grugier Hill, and Landon Roberts and Landon Roberts in week 16 against the Raiders had a big injury. So his status for next year for anybody is pretty unclear at this point. So, you know, I, I think I heard you say earlier, Vince Beagle could be back and I, I want him back too now. Cause I, I think that with him being out last year, um, his value is going to be lower. And you look at the year before, I thought he played really well for the dolphins. I think he only had a couple of sacks, but a lot of pressure, a lot of versatility kind of plays in that same type of role that Andrew Van Ginkle does. But if you're talking a couple of million a year, I'd love to have Vince Beagle back. Yeah. And I think you are talking a couple million a year. I don't think he's done anything to really jump off the page for a lot of folks. It's more the under the radar stuff that he's done in the fact that he looked poised to break out in this scheme and the way they were utilizing him. And, you know, I, I think he takes a little bit more of a back seat to Andrew Van Ginkle. But I think there's there's definitely that pass rush role that Vince Beagle can fill and, and was, was filling pretty admirably, even though he didn't pack it with, with sacks. He was putting, as you pointed out, a tremendous amount of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I remember Peter King having a piece about... Um, the the most pressures per drop back and Vince Beagle was right there towards the top of the league even though he only had I think one sack at the time when when, when Peter King put that out there uh, so yeah I definitely bring Beagle back I think his value is going to be well above what his salary is yes yeah, so, and CK Parrott from the three yards per carry podcast also uh had a lot of good stats on that too with Beagle uh in, in 2019 but yeah you're right I mean it's I, I think he's a valuable player. I think he could play special teams. Maybe you're getting two of the same there, but you know, you, you've got two guys with a lot of versatility and, and Van Ginkle and Beagle. So I'd like to have him back more than likely. Again, he probably goes somewhere else, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Landon Roberts, I think we're both in agreement. He's not going to be back next year um, with the injury. And, you know, you, I think your comparison of, of the linebacker version of Terrell Buckley is right on. I mean, just so, so hit and miss on every play. I think the Dolphins are going to be looking for somebody who, A, is healthy, and B, gets a little, has a little bit more consistency from down to down. Yeah, it's <clears> – <throat> While I did like it, having him on the field better than I liked having Calvin Munson out there, um, yeah, his guesswork when it was on point was was uh, you know ma- made highlight reels. But when it was off point, it, it also made highlight reels, and and not in the way you want to as a defense. It's you know he either took himself straight into the play or so far out of it it wasn't even funny, uh, yeah. and he did it he did it with a quickness. Um, so I. I I am all set there. There there are so many linebackers that I like in the draft coming up that it'd be hard for me even to um, think about it. And by the way, we did get a comment in our, in our chat that we're crazy. Terrell Buckley was one of the best defensive backs to ever play for the Dolphins. He was because he put up a great statistical line and he did, he did get a lot of interceptions, but he also had a lot of big misses. And that's what we're talking about with Landon Roberts is the fact that he would guess and just go. No matter, no, it, there wasn't a read, there wasn't anything. It was just guess and go, guess and go, guess and go. And occasionally he hit on it, and when he did, it was spectacular. When he didn't, it was catastrophic. It, you're right. It, he was, there's more highlight reel plays from him than probably any other defensive back over the last 25 years. Uh, but yeah, he, just like you said, I mean, he, he'd get five or six interceptions a year and he'd give up 10 touchdowns. So no, he, he, he wasn't, he, he couldn't, 
he couldn't carry Sam Madison or Patrick Sertan's jock strap. So no, or Brock Marians or Louis Oliver's or he was the better than Jerry Wilson or Xavier Howard's or Byron Jones's or hell even Bobby McCain's. Yeah, that's a, that's very well said. But uh, yeah, can so uh, I, I can keep listing Dolphins defensive backs that are actually better than Terrell Buckley, even though I love the guy. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, absolutely. He was better. Uh, Buckley was definitely better than Fedulum. He was better than Fedulum. He was better than Kari Rambo. Better than R.J. Stanford. Better than <laughs> uh, Jerry Wilson, Calvin <laughs> Jackson. Uh, so, God, we've had some terrible defensive, and that's why I, I'm beating this drum too. Of, we talk about Bakari Rambo more than. Oh my God! Let me, let me tell you this, and 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 while while we're pissing everybody off in the chat, I I, I want I want to say this too is, um, if J.C. Horn or Caleb Farley fall to 18. I'm taking them. Next question. Um, all right. We're, we're just going to let that simmer for a minute uh, and talk about uh, Camus, Gruje Hill, and Julian Davenport, the last two guys here uh, unrestricted free agents. I don't think, again, I don't think either will be back. And, you know, Gruje Hill, too, one thing that we didn't talk about in the last one, I, I looked at his snap count um, and they, they seemed to dwindle a lot more, uh, you know, over the last few games. And I think that's a telltale sign that he's not going to be back. Julian Davenport, I, I think he's better than people give him credit for. I think he's a decent swing tackle. If he wants to come back for veteran minimum, I, I would certainly be open to that. But he's probably going to get a better opportunity somewhere else, too. He might. Um, I, I I'd think about it more with Gruje Hill than I would have Landon Roberts. Um, it's He's not spectacular. He's for depth. If you do let him walk, um, I, I'm I'm still eyeing Nick Vigil as kind of that depth guy to come in and take his place, uh, yeah, and, and and not have a drop off really, but other than in salary, got it. yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, I think we're in agreement there on on a lot of these free agents here. I mean, I, I I'd like to, I mean, if if all of them left, I wouldn't shed a tear to be honest with you. I think it would be a a decent strategy maybe to re-sign Ted Karras, uh, but it, it, this is what would, what would, uh, you know, peeve me a little bit as far as Karras is that would you rather re-sign Karras for 4 million a year? And he's the 25th best center in the league. Or would you rather sign an all a first team, all pro in Corey Lindsley for 10 million a year? I mean, to me, that's an easy choice. Mm-hmm. And, and if you did that, you don't have to worry about the center position for the next few years. You're not painting yourself into a corner in the draft where there are probably just three or four players in the first couple of rounds that could maybe step in and play for you. Yeah, it's – it's, and I mean, I would feel out Lindsley's agent during the tampering period, um, see where you feel about that. But if you don't feel like you're going to be able to get him – uh, at that point, I think you re-sign Ted Karras, but you look squarely at the draft. You look at the Quinn, Creed Humphreys and you know Myers and Quinn Miners and those guys, and uh, there, there's a couple more I'm blanking on at the moment, to come in and start challenging Ted Karras. Maybe you bring him back on another one-year prove-it deal. Um, prove it again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought it was kind of weird that – it was a prove it deal for Ted Karras to begin with, because I'm like, prove what? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what this guy can and can't do. Uh, I don't think another year of showing that is gonna is gonna do that. That's what I was thinking this year. But yeah, I mean, maybe he comes back for another year because it's like, well, why not? I mean, I like it here, and I'm gonna get. I'm probably not gonna get more money somewhere else. No state taxes. I'm gonna get a starting job. So, I think that could work. And also too, uh, David Andrews. Um, was with Brian Flores in, in New England. He's been a solid center. I think he'd be an upgrade. But then we start getting into, okay, you're going to pay David Andrews $8 million instead of Corey Lindsley ten. Um, no, I think that, that's why I think there, there's just a separation in value for Corey Lindsley at the top of that free agent center list. Yeah, and, and, and Roney brought it up in our chat here. Uh, he said, no love for Dieter. Look, we, we like Dieter. We like Dieter a lot. I'd like to see Dieter back next year. Uh, I, I think the depth with Dieter is a good thing. The fact that he can fill in at guard or center for you and really across the interior of the offensive line. Uh, if you've got Jesse Davis and Michael Dieter for depth, you're in a good place. I mean, I think the one that should worry if they sign Corey Lindsley and go out and draft Quinn Miners as an example, 
is Eric Flowers. Um, because I think the writing is on the wall more for him than anybody at that point. Yeah, after the 2021 season, the Dolphins can cut Eric Flowers, eat a million dollars, and save nine million. So he, I would have to assume that he's kind of he's kind of gone after 2021. And that was, you know, I think that was the plan all along that we need somebody that's just going to come in here and be a professional and do their job. And, and I think Eric Flowers has done that. So he should be starting at left guard again for a year, and then he's probably gone. Um, let's. So, Paul, just to broaden things up a little bit here, I have my idea of kind of where the direction I'd like the Dolphins to go in free agency here. What is your kind of high-level strategy for the Dolphins here in, in free agency? They've got $36.5 million in cap room. They're going to have to dedicate about $12 million of that to, to the draft, to, uh, draft picks. They could restructure a few contracts. So a lot of things that the Dolphins could do here. My strategy is conservative. Uh, for the most part, I don't want Miami signing the cream of the crop unless somebody comes here on a I want to play there type of deal, um, in which case I reconsider. So that takes – I want Lindsley. I, I, no secret about it. But guys I would take off the list because I think they're just going to be too much freaking money are guys like Joe Tooney I've heard a lot about people wanting to come here. Um, guys like Leonard Williams. Guys like um, – Oh, God, what's his face? Uh, you know, spurned us and went to Seattle. Jadavian Clowney. Um, guys like, and I hate to say this, but I think somebody's going to back a Brinks truck up for Curtis Samuel, and, and I'm out. Guys like Aaron Jones. I, I don't want to spend that money. I'd rather you go out, you get a Marvin Jones. Um, maybe, you know, obviously Corey Lindsley's one that I'm big on. Um if you think somebody's truly an upgrade at safety, which I don't really see on this list, and then I want depth. I want veteran guys that are below 30, have some upside that you can get in here. Guys like we've talked about before, like Malik Hooker. Um, guys that we've talked about before, like uh, Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, and, and really be cautious out there don't go chasing aging guys unless you think there's somebody that can throw you over the top of win now mode uh, but before I, I i know you're gonna go too guys make sure you like make sure you subscribe make sure you leave comments and give us a review out on itunes all of those things help us out here and, and we really appreciate the way that that, that folks have been jumping up um and, and doing those things so thank you guys absolutely I would say, based on what you said, our, our strategy, about 75% of it would be different. So it'll be fascinating, fascinating couple of a few weeks here. Uh, so I want the Dolphins to go get one of those guys who is not a, who is somebody that is a need position that they have an opportunity to take off the free agent market, put in their starting lineup. And you don't have to worry about drafting that spot. And I look at, at two players. Number one is Corey Lindsley for me, too. Number two is Aaron Jones. And number three is Curtis Samuel, typically. But I, I'm with you on that. I think when you look at this free agent list here, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Kelly, Kenny Galladay, the top three guys in free agency are expected to be tagged. Um, then you've got. Curtis Samuel, who's probably the best in terms of value, over a thousand yards last year, 24 years old only. And then you've got Juju Smith Schuster, who has questions with both attitude and his speed. Will Fuller, who was suspended last year. Yeah, I think I think full I think Samuel's gonna end up getting 17 or 18 million a year. And at that point, I'm out. Um, so in terms of need and value, I look at the two Packers, Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones, because to me, not only do you get a top five player at that position. But you also don't have to spend a first or second rounder at that spot. You don't paint yourself into a corner. Um, so I want to get, let's say Corey Lindsley's the guy um, that the Dolphins sign. Uh, and, and if I had to guess, I would say they don't spend that much on center. But I want them to. On the other side of the ball, I, I really want, I think it's a very deep group of nickelbacks. And because they're nickelbacks, and they're not going to have a major market for them. Like guys like Mike Hilton from the Steelers, one of the best nickelbacks um, in college or, or uh, in um, in the NFL last year. And if you get somebody like that, um, I think you upgrade the the third cornerback spot 
from Nick Needham. And that's important. I mean, think about the Bills, the team the Dolphins have to beat, went three wide receiver or more 89% of the time last year. And they ate Nick Needham alive in that final game. So th- that's the strategy I'd like to go to. Get get two free agents, uh, one on offense and, and a nickel back. And then from that point, you look at the draft for everything else. And now you've only got three or four, you know, you probably want to draft these spot, uh, this spot. But I, I overall, typically, I like going for the strength and numbers, but I'm going for quality over quantity this offseason. Yeah, I'm I'm with you for quality over quantity when it comes to the draft at the very least. Even though I know I want to trade down and accumulate some picks, um, it, it's Nickelback. I, I'd be looking squarely at the draft unless somebody really just drops in your lap. Um, as far as the offensive line, I'd really like it to be a veteran and a rookie uh, that get added to this offensive line. Just because, and, and the reason why I look at Lindsley is I think he'd provide better leadership and smarts in the middle of that line that's going to basically be starting four guys, if I get my way, that are first or second year players. Uh, which, which, at that point, having a, an all pro like Lindsley in the middle of that line is huge and, and well worth the $10 million to me. Um, Defensive end, uh, outside of what we talked about with Vince Beagle for the edge, I, I, I'd like to see addressed in the draft. I don't think it needs to be addressed in the first two picks, uh, even though I'm a huge fan of Boogie Basham. And as far as the nickel goes as well, one of the things that I keep going back to is, I mean, Kat, you're in agreement with me. Bobby McCain is probably the best nickelback on this team right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you look at the way Brandon Jones developed last year, and you've got some ways to be creative in the ways you move those guys around. Bobby McCain's smart enough to move all over the formation. We saw it last year. Uh, if if you bring Brandon Jones on the field in the nickel to fill some of those roles, you can slide Bobby McCain out to cover you know, the slot receiver and still be in a great position there with two safeties that can do do some things in the middle of the field, and you got Bobby McCain covering the slot. You're good to go. Yeah. Brandon Jones showed a lot of promise last year, so we can't discount him either. And, and I think that might factor into why Van Noy got cut too. Because, look, Brandon Jones, it seems like he played a lot of snaps last year because he was active and he was a rookie, and I think he surprised us with how much he played early. But he didn't play a lot of snaps, or as many as he could have. I mean, I think what for the year, I think he was around – 250 300 snaps i could be wrong on that but i was surprised that he played as few as he did and i think he's going to have a bigger role i think you're going to see a lot of three safety looks from the dolphins with two linebackers on the field and one thing too while we're talking about the safety spot yes i want mccain i want row back i think it's ridiculous it's even being talked about that they could be cut and i think i don't think they will be i would love for the dolphins to look at malik hooker at safety uh because Somebody like him is 24, turning 25, coming back from an injury. If you want to have – if it, he's a guy that would be perfect for a one-year prove-it contract because he's coming back off injury. If you go to Miami and you started free safety with Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, and Xavier Howard, you play lights out for a year, you put yourself in a great position to get a big contract with the Dolphins or with another team the year after. He's somebody I really do want them to look at there. Um but at defensive back too, you know, not just Mike Hilton, but uh, some other cornerbacks here, like Michael Davis from the Chargers, Troy Hill from the Rams, guys who are probably not going to command ten to twelve million a year because they're role defensive backs. But there is a lot of depth at that at that nickelback spot. That's why I, I want them to address that in free agency, not necessarily the draft. Yeah, and. and... In reality, if they do address it in the draft, it's only going to be in the later rounds. The one move I can see in the early rounds that potentially could address the nickel role is if they were to draft Richie Grant, uh, which I hate that he's in the top two rounds. He's a guy I've been talking about since he was a an under-the-radar fifth potentially last year and this year. Uh, if they were to draft Richie Grant, I think they could move Bobby back into that nickel role full-time and even run the three safety looks where you can get Brandon Jones on the field as well. And... You know, it, it's it, and really that secondary would be devastating at that point. Which Josh Boyer, Brian Flores, love, 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 love their secondary. And 
I, I tend to agree with them, even though I'm a front seven guy, because what the secondary does predicates whether or not you can get a pass rush going with more players that, that may not be, you know, your Chase Youngs of the world. Let me tell you this. If the Dolphins can keep that secondary stockpiled, they'll always be good on defense. Mm-hmm. If you've got Brian Flores uh, running uh, you, and Josh Boyer running this defense and you have a great secondary, we've seen how they just so many players on the front seven, they can just pull out of their rear end and have them play well. I mean, Raquan Davis stepped up. Zach Sealer stepped up. Van Ginkle stepped up. Jerome Baker stepped up. When you constantly have these players stepping up and, and making the most out, out of opportunities, it's a huge difference from what we saw from those Bengals defensive coordinators over a 10-year span where it's like we can't get enough pro bowlers on this front seven, and they still stink So as a unit. So, yeah, secondary, I'm, to me, we can never get enough defensive backs. Yeah, and Cat, I know we talked a little bit about defensive end. I'm going to toss a question your way. Um, given free agency, given the draft, what would be your dream to bring in at the defensive end spot for Miami? Who would be your dream defensive end out there? In free agency or the draft? or, or Yes. Yeah, okay. First of all, it's a very intelligent question. Thank you. Uh, for To, our, to our, uh, our, our young listener there. Um, <laughs> The my dream pick would be Gregory Rousseau falls to 18. Uh, and, and I think it's quite possible now. I think he should have played this past year instead of opting out. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but opting out, sitting out a year definitely hurt him because he really only has one. He was a wide receiver two years ago uh, in high school. I mean, at, at his size. So he's still learning the position. And in his only year, he had 19 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks. So and we've seen what Brian Flores and Josh Boer have done with guys who have this length and this athleticism with Emmanuel Agba, with Raekwon Davis. I think they would have similar success with Gregory Russo. So there's a lot of pick your flavor at the, at the edge spot in the draft. And there's a lot of depth. You've got Jason Owe, who's, who's didn't get a sack this year, but has a lot of raw athleticism, still learning the position. Jalen Phillips looks like a top 10 pick, but has had the concussion problems. Um, Say it with feeling when you get there, Cat. Say it with feeling when you get there. Carlos Basham the uh, third. What's his real name? I don't know. Uh, the so Carlos Basham, oh, Boogie Basham. Yes, you? there we go. With the enthusiasm you're looking for. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, I, I, I mean, he'd be great at he'd be great in the second round too. So there's a lot of options out there. I don't want the Dolphins to sniff the edge. Uh, edge and in, in, in free agency. And I don't think they will. I mean, last year they paid a lot of money to Emmanuel Agba, a lot of money to Shaq Lawson. I don't see them getting a third veteran edge player, Paul, for eight to 10 million a year. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it, it's There are a lot of guys that I like in this draft. Obviously, I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but there's one in particular that I think would be a beautiful fit in this Flores Boyer defense. Uh, so some some guy by the name of Boogie, uh, but you know it, it's in reality. I want them to fill the need through the draft. I like what they have in Agba. I like what they have in Van Ginkle, especially since his snap count's going to be elevated. I I do want to re-sign Beagle, like we talked about. And then you're looking for somebody to come in and fill a role. And I'm still not discounting Jason Strobridge. Whatever issues he had, you know, this team is clinging to him and, and keeping him on the field. So. It's very much a situation where they see something in him, and he's a guy that you know leading up to the draft last year, I was I was peeking and referring to quite often. And, and so hopefully he develops into something. I, I liked him as a pick in the fifth round. I thought he was going to go third or fourth. Uh, I, I see him as a decent rotational piece. I, I, I'm not all that convinced he's going to be much more than that, but we'll, we'll see. Um, it, yeah, it's also a defensive end. The reason the draft is important is because you look, Emmanuel Agua is going to be a free agent after 2021. Shaq Lawson is going to be a free agent after 2022. You've got to restock that now. If not, you're going to be throwing way too much money at a player here when those guys go away. So I, I think Agba could be re signed, but 
it's pretty unlikely that they resign, that they get back. They're, you know, looking at the free agents after this year, Mike Kosicki, Jerome Baker, and Emmanuel Ogba. I think one of those guys has to go. And if I had to guess, it would be Ogba. So getting defensive end is important here and it's important to start now. So um, other positions here, Paul, you know, let's go back to wide receiver. Um, You know, look, I think Marvin Jones is a good player. Uh, I think if you get him, you're going to get a, a decent number two guy this year. Um, I still would walk away only because number one, he's 31 years old. You sign him. He's immediately the oldest guy on your team. And those free agents strike me as let's look at his, the team he's on now, the lions. It it seems like these are the types of free agents that their original teams don't want them back. uh, Even though they could definitely afford them. Um, He doesn't bite people like, uh, You know, like that that's not a Dan Campbell signing if he doesn't bite people. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh so but you look at just what the Lions have done over the last couple of years, they are the embodiment of a team that are just every year trying to fill holes with veterans. And then a year later, these guys are on the free agent market. They just cut Desmond Trufon, or they signed to be their top corner last year. They they're probably gonna cut Danny Shelton and Nick Williams, who they overpaid to fill a hole. And I think uh, Marvin Jones is that same type of guy. If you sign. So I, I would rather look at some younger wide receivers and, and the ones I'm looking at are guys who are in their mid twenties. who I think are just scratching the surface of their potential. Keelan Cole and Josh Reynolds. Um, Keelan Cole is somebody that I think has been waiting to break out, but the quarterback situation in Jacksonville has been so bad that he hasn't had that opportunity. He's also a great punt returner. So if you want to cut Jakeem Grant, I think you could be a little bit more comfortable doing that, knowing you're going to replace him with not only a number two receiver, but one of the best punt returners in the league in Keelan Cole. So he's somebody I think is really flying under the radar. But, um, yeah, I I think I'm with you on – we disagree on Marvin Jones, but I'm with you. $18 million a year, which I think Curtis Samuel is going to cost. I can't do that. Now, here's where I like Jones even more. If Miami were to draft Kyle Pitts, uh, somebody we've been on for, God, since we started talking offseason, we've been on this Kyle Pitts train. Um, Kyle Pitts flips places with Micah Parsons after signing Micah Jones, or eh, after signing Marvin Jones, Kyle Pitts flips places with Micah Parsons as far as my 1A, 1B goes. Hmm. Um, and becomes my full on number one target in, in the top 10 of the draft. It's Kyle Pitts may potentially be the best player at any position in the draft um, outside of Trevor Lawrence, but the best positional player. And if you've got Kyle Pitts and Mike Gesicki, those safeties for opposing teams are going to be so tied up that you're going to have Marvin Jones one-on-one on the outside more often than not. And this is a guy that in a Lions offense that didn't have a huge amount of talent out there uh, was consistently winning his matchups to the point where he's he, he was the only player, I believe, with nine-plus receiving touchdowns both of the last two seasons, and you put him in one-on-one matchups on the outside where he's not going against the number one corner most weeks, that is an opportunity to float a lot of balls down the field where he is not going to have to worry about a lot of safety help over the top or if he's drawing that safety help, Pitts and Gesicki are going to destroy an opposing defense. Uh, yeah, I reached the point with Kyle Pitts a couple of weeks ago that I decided I'm not going to overthink this anymore. Yeah. Where uh, I, I get that feeling. I think that anybody who passes on him is going to have that feeling in their belly that we may have just passed on Randy Moss. I mean, you're talking about somebody in, in Kyle Pitts – He's not going to be 21 until midway through his rookie year. And he's 6'6", 245 right now. I look at him and I think this guy could put pack on 15, 20 pounds easy and probably not lose speed. Now, I, I think you're just talking about a different type of player there with Kyle Pitts. Um, and, and not to go too far down that road, but yeah, the third pick, to, to me, it's three choices. It's Penny Sewell, a trade down, or Kyle Pitts. After that, I I don't I don't see how I can how the team can get there with either of the wide receivers. That we we can't trade down and get another first round pick because Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith are so special. I I just can't see how they get there. I just it's 
the wide receiver position right now, uh, I, I don't know if a lot of folks that, that watch NFL Network exclusively for their information or ESPN exclusively for their information realize this, but there, there are a lot of really talented wide receivers in the draft that don't wear an LSU or Bama helmet. Um, it, it, it's surprising, and it, it's but it's it's okay to get there. Um, guys like Kadarius Tony, guys like Tutu Atwell, guys like Nico Collins, guys like Jalen Darden. There's a lot of under the radar guys that go to small schools. Believe it or not, some of the best wide receivers in NFL history went to small schools. Um, so it, it's you if if you're only looking at those top three wide receivers, there's not as big of a gap as people seem to think there is as far as talent level projecting the NFL. You look at Pat Freermuth, the number two tight end in this draft, he is very good, but he is just a tight end. Kyle Pitts is a phenomenal football player that impacts your offense. And you can grab a Kyle Pitts, you can grab a Tutu Atwell and a Marvin Jones, and suddenly you add a running back to this mix, aside from Miles Gaskin, you have one of the most explosive potential offenses in the NFL. And Thinking about it, you look at some of these guys and some of the things that they can do. When they go into the Wildcat with a Malcolm Perry or Lynn Bowden Jr., they've still got receiving threats all over the field that are going to get enough separation that you can allow Lynn Bowden to occasionally throw the football out of the Wildcat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it'll be fascinating to see what combination the Dolphins go with a receiver because, yeah, it, I think the, 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 wide receiver and tight end spot have to be diversified enough uh, to, to where they, where it's a good fit with all these guys. Cause like I've said, if you're a pass catcher in the NFL, it is a selfish man's position typically. And one, uh, one appeal is that Marvin Jones is okay being second or third fiddle uh, on, on, on an offense like this. And, and I think, cause I, I think if you get yourself in a situation where like you signed, Curtis Samuel, and then you drafted Jamar Chase, and you've got Kaseki and Parker. You've got four guys who are going to want to be the number one guy. That could cause some problems, even though on paper it dictates a lot of matchups. Yeah, and I, I, those, those are good problems to have. Um, but it's it's APK. Oh, 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 honey, it's I'm sorry that you haven't watched enough tape to realize that Pitts is not freaking slow. Pitts is anything but slow. I don't know where you're getting that information from. Um, he is not a slow tight end, he, and he is not slow for a wide receiver. You can line him up all over the field, and I can't wait to see his 40 times, but at the, at the end of the day, the eye test, as far as quickness goes, he is fast, and he has short area quickness to make great adjustments to the football. And uh, Watch, uh, if anybody thinks he's slow, watch, watch his touchdown against Kentucky, where... He's got Kelvin Joseph, who might be a first-round cornerback, uh, that he is outrunning to the end zone. Uh, Kelvin Joseph is trying to catch him, and he can't. Uh, and also, too, he he blocks well enough because he uses that length to his advantage when he's actually in line blocking. So yeah, I we, we've gone way too far into Kyle Pitts. We'll, we'll, we've we've got weeks to talk about him, but yeah, I mean it does factor in to the wide receiver conversation here. Um, so Paul, finally here, kind of our last spot, and this has yes. been a. a, a you're more concerned about this spot than I am. Actually, before before we get to our last spot, though, guys, make sure you're liking and subscribing. Make sure you guys are following us out on social media. Make sure you got your notifications turned on. Leave us some comments. Leave us a review out on iTunes. Um, it, it, it just helps us out, and we appreciate every one of you that's doing that. Yeah, and we're going to really get into draft talk here after free. It's going to be all about free agency here for the next week or and a half. And also, too, I can I can announce that on draft day for the first and second round of the draft, I will be Paul and I will be here for every pick at least well at least through eighteen, um, and I've, I've probably the entire thing because, and we're going to be commenting on every one. So we're going to have a big draft party, and uh, uh, typically I do my own thing on draft night, but I'm I'm switching that up now. Um, but I will be drinking. Uh, that's that's for sure. Uh, We're your quite, own thing. Quite 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 a bit. And I, I you know I got some mugs here. Like uh, got got some on eBay. Let's see where where we go. Pretty sweet there. Uh, that's that's my 
got that on eBay. Not bad. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, draft day, be here. No, no doubt about it. We'll be going through all that. Uh, and Paul and I will have our boards as well. But finally, Paul, uh, in free agency, the linebacker spot, you're a lot more concerned about that than I am because, you know, you've I, to me, the Dolphins are going to play usually two linebackers. you got Baker, you've got Van Ginkle. Obviously, depth is a problem with uh, Beagle and Grujay Hill and Landon Roberts expected to hit the free agent market. But you, you've mentioned Nick Vigil. You've mentioned a few other guys here. I see an opportunity at linebacker where with these two down guys, they typically don't cost a lot of money. And that, I think, plays into the Dolphins' advantage. I'm looking at somebody like Denzel Perryman from the Chargers, who's had a lot of injury problems. But when he's on the field, a really good two-down linebacker, I think a better version of Raekwon McMillan. Um, And because he doesn't play three downs, maybe he sits out there for a couple of weeks and comes to the Dolphins for just, just a couple of million. Well, if you're going to talk two down linebackers that have dealt with some injury problems, but had you know just a, a dearth of talent, uh, I can't help but look. You know, if, if if we're going to do that, why not look at a guy like Reggie Ragland, um, somebody that can come in and occasionally be a thumper and a stopper on first and second down and get off the field and passing downs and really let your defense fly around and, and, and shine. Do you think he's at 300 pounds yet, Ragland? Uh, well, then we solved our defensive tackle issue. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, there there is a spot for a giant run-stuffing linebacker in this defense. I mean, you look at the Patriots they, when they signed or drafted Cameron Spikes and, and Juwan Bentley, who offered nothing against the pass. And Landon Roberts, I'd argue, too, didn't offer hardly anything against the pass. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible. I, I, I would say it's it's a lot more possible here for than, than it has been in previous schemes. But yeah, I mean, it's deep there. And you look at a couple of years ago, uh, Kevin Minter is somebody I uh, who's been who's bounced around the league in that two down linebacker role. I thought the Dolphins would were going to look at, uh, and then he just sat out there, sat out there, sat out there, and then he signs with I think Arizona for one year, two million. And I think you're going to see a few of these linebackers do that. I've got my eye on B.J. Goodson from the Browns, Kevin Pierre Lewis from Washington, who is that run stuffer, but also it graded out at least for PFF very well um, in, in past defense too. So yeah, I, I think they'll end up getting somebody here. Uh, I, I'd like for them just to get in a position where they're not painting themselves into a corner and needing to draft a linebacker in the first two rounds. Yeah. And, and I mean, in all honesty, there are linebackers that I like depending on what you're trying to do that go beyond rounds one and two. Um, if you're trying to have somebody out there for three downs, definitely look in the, in the first two rounds. But if, if you're trying to have somebody out there, you know, just for, for first and second and get them the heck off the field to bring in Brandon Jones and you name it, at that point, I'm looking after round two. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of depth in the first couple of rounds, and I think the Dolphins will end up drafting a linebacker in the first few rounds. Uh, Jabril Cox is somebody I really like out of LSU. I think he's a smooth athlete. Can really good in pass defense. I, I think he would fit in really well to this defense. Um, but yeah, I, I see eight or nine linebackers here that would probably be taken in the first, you know, three rounds at least. I mean, uh, maybe the first two. So, so we'll see about that. Um, yeah. So, so that we've gone through a lot here, Paul. You know, overall, I, I would like the Dolphins to obviously be smart with their money, but really knock out one or two of these big needs here in free agency so that the Dolphins can really go that best player available route that we like in the draft. Yeah, no, it's I, – I can't get off the conservative train with, with free agency. I don't want to see the Dolphins do what they did a few years back over and over again, go out and just back up the Brinks truck to whichever name was, you know, a 90-plus on Madden, you know, two years before. It, 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 that doesn't win you football games, and that doesn't build you a winning fo- football culture. Um, I'd like to see Miami start using some of that cap space to re-sign their own, um, you know. Guys. And, and I think that's what they will do. Um, yeah. I I want them to get one big guy, and then pretty much close up shop because then then we can use those draft picks a lot more creatively. Maybe even trade down and acquire more picks for the following year. So, anything else jump out at chat there, Paul? Not really. I mean, everybody's been pretty much right right engaged with what we've been talking about throughout that um 
And, and, and yeah, Berna, he, he was not cut yet. The report was that he got cut, but they're actually trying to trade him right now. I know one of the teams interested is supposedly the Giants, but they don't have the cap space to make a move as of yet. Um, and, yeah, King Short, there is a lot of talent at UNC. Yeah, but, and thanks for clarifying that uh, they're, they're in the chat. If I said Kyle Van Noy was cut, you're, you're right. He has not been cut yet. They're trying to trade him. But bottom line, he's not going to be a Miami Dolphin in 2021. We can yeah. all agree on that. But thank you for clarifying that because – that was that was if they then maybe they get a seventh round pick for him. Uh, I, I because because a team may say, hey, we want to jump to the front of the line on Van Noy when he hits free agency. We'll give you a seventh round pick for him just to make sure we get him. That's quite possible. Um, probably won't happen, but but possible. So yeah, not not at that salary, I don't think. So Paul, that's going to do it for our breakdown of of what we're looking for here in free agency. You can follow Paul and I, uh, Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. And Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our other social media outlets as well. We're going to have a lot of great stuff here in the upcoming weeks. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.